0: They basically just told me flat out. They were like they were like it might not be worth looking into because, you know, we don't have any there's no money. So I don't know that there's even a conversation to be had. And it was at it was at that point where I basically said I'll sign a $0 contract. <laughs> if you put me up, give me a place to stay, if you feed me, I'll play for $0 and 0 cents. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the
1: Go Get It podcast and another week to Go Get It. Actually, Thanksgiving week, which is one of the best weeks to Go Get It. Hunter, I'm thankful for you today, every day, and thankful to all the listeners for tuning in. We know there's a lot out there that you could be tuning into. Attention is limited, so we appreciate you spending it with us. I'm your host, Austin Meyer, and as always... I'm joined by my co-host and guy who he, let's be honest, he really struggles to make a tasty avocado toast. Wow. Hunter Gorski. Hunter, how you doing? I'm <laughs> doing
0: fantastic, Stick. I've never heard such blasphemy in my life.
1: <laughs> he takes a lot of care with his avocado his toast, people. A lot of pride goes into that toast. We got an awesome topic. And story for you today but first we want to remind everybody who supports us and the show that there are a few ways to do that a few ways to go above and beyond the first is to submit a listener question for us to answer on the show in the past we've been really pushing the the voicemail we want to try another method as well and that's just to dm us dm us your question at gogetitpod on instagram or you can email me at austinmeyerfilms at gmail.com. Any question you have, no good or bad question, whatever comes to mind, and we will discuss it on an upcoming listener question episode of the show. Number two, get yourself some Go Get It swag for the holiday season. We have got these beautiful Go Get It t-shirts that Hunter is rocking right now if you're watching the YouTube show. And you can get them by DMing us on Instagram at Go get it pod. You heard the name. And number three, This is the big one. Tell a friend about the pod. Who do you know? Tell a Tell a friend. Share the good news. What's the big deal? Who do you know who might enjoy this, might get some value out of it? With that, let's jump into this week's story. It's actually a relatively recent story in life experience that Hunter had along the course of his career as a professional soccer player. I'm sure some of you listening are familiar with stories of NBA players or NFL players who take less money to be a part of a special team or a particular season, or even sacrificing a signing bonus in certain situations. But how many of you are familiar with a professional athlete signing a $0 contract? Well,
0: you're about to hear one. (laughs) Hunt, take it away. That's right. That's right. That professional <laughs> athlete who signed a $0 contract is none other than your boy. <laughs> and uh I love to tell the story. It's an interesting story, but in reflecting on it, I think there's a lot to learn from it. And so I'm excited to get into this, but let me give a little backdrop to how this came to pass and why it came to pass. Um so 2019, so just a couple years ago, I ended up going abroad for the second time in my career to play in Denmark. And so I went to play in Denmark and the plan there was always to just stay for six months, right? The second half of the season and then do my thing, crush it, and then try and, you know, either get promoted with the team or get some attention from a, a, you know, a bigger team, a better team, a team in like the top, top league in Denmark and make a jump from there. And so that was always the intention going in. And as you know, Shtig, it just so happened that a lot of other things started to evolve while I was in Denmark. Um, The two big ones were that I started to, on the side, be working for EPS Recycle. So shout out to EPS Recycle. It's a styrofoam (laughs) recycling company that you know, I, I was very, I I came to be very close with the family that owned the company and they were looking to expand operations into the United States of America and to North America. And so that was a really attractive, um, opportunity for me because I would have been integral in that, in that expansion plan and bringing it to North America. And so that was one of the things that was going on besides soccer. And then the other thing was, um, partners. I, I found partners and we were beginning that whole operation and bringing the board games over to North America to start, you know, to distribute those in the North American marketplace. And so during all of that time, it just so happened that the soccer season was coming to an end right around the time where those things were starting to take a little shape. And I actually had the opportunity to go trial with two. I had a good season, our team got relegated. For anyone who doesn't know what that means, that means that, um, you know, you had a poor season as a team and you're dropping down a division. And so that's always the worst thing that could happen. And obviously when that happens, there's a ton of turnover. A lot of guys are going to go to other teams because they don't want to drop down and play in the lower league. Um, the club also doesn't have the money to afford certain players. And so, you know, they, they also are looking to, you know, usually get different profiles of players. And so it just so happened at that time, I, was, I had the opportunity to go train with uh, Alborg, which is a big team in, in, in the Danish Superliga. Um, but I was, always, I was also kind of weighing these other options, right? These other business opportunities that I knew would be better for the business opportunities to be in North America. Long story mm-hmm. short, the opportunity with Allborg and the Superliga team, the timing just didn't work out quite right. And they didn't really have the space for my type of play for, for the, you know, for the type of player that that I am and, and kind of what I contribute to a team. And so instead of staying overseas and looking for another club in Denmark, I decided that I wanted to come back home and look for a team in the US. Now, mind you, it just so happens that the way certain seasons work. You know, like the timeline they they run on in Europe and the one they run on in the U.S., sometimes they're different. And that was the case uh, in this example. So I was, you know, I came back home to North America around uh, probably around September, right? Mid to late September and the USL season, one of the leagues in the U.S., they, the MLS and the USL, they run until late November, some some middle of December, right? MLS, I think, if you make it all the way, they run to the middle of December. And so at the time, I, you know, I had been done with my team in Denmark for maybe about a month or so, or a month and a half. I'm not exactly sure, um, but I end up coming back, and and it just so happens I started to speak with DC United, who is in the MLS. Do you know Dane Murphy? Dane I know of him. Right. So I used to play with him at the Cosmos and and he 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 played an integral part in, in the staff at DC United. And so we were trying to work out a deal where I'd be able to go to DC United, which would have been awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, would have been a huge jump for me and would have been a great, a great place to land. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, during that transfer window, they made some moves and then, you know, what initially they initially thought they would have this spot that I could potentially fill, but they ended up making some moves that spot disappeared. And so the opportunity wasn't there anymore. And we had put decent amount of eggs into that basket. We weren't really talking to too many teams. And it's also a weird point in the, in the season where, you know, teams aren't really looking for players at that point in the season. If, you know, if a team's doing really well, they're set and they already have what's working well for them, they don't want to shake anything up, you know. Or you need to find a team that has some kind of injury or something like that, which that's, you know, few and far between. And then the other thing is like if a team isn't doing great, like they're not going to go like, you know, you're in the US, you're not getting relegated, so there isn't that much motivation to go, you know, get players and try and do something special. But at the time, we were speaking with DC United, they have a second team which plays in the USL called Loudon United. It was actually Loudon's first year as being part of the USL. And I started, you know, I just asked the question. I said, hey, what about Loudon? And the reason that I asked that question was because in the world, in the sports world, right, it's never a good thing to not be active and relevant and playing for long periods of time. So if you go four, five, six months without playing, which is half a season, if you go a year without playing, it's tough if you're not top top and your name is out there and on everybody's lips it's tough to like really get good opportunities after that right because you're looked at as a little bit of a wild card maybe somebody doesn't know exactly what they're going to get from you right yeah they're like why was hunter just sitting out six
1: months why wasn't he playing for a team exactly
0: if he's a great player why wasn't a team picking him up why wasn't he delivering value to some team in the marketplace um and so I asked the question after that conversation with DC and I said, well, what about Loudoun United? Can I go get some games there? And then, you know, I could be in the camp if, you know, if there's training sessions, I could go train with the first team. You guys can get a better look there. We could look at next year. So I just started asking those questions. And eventually that conversation started to be had. And they basically just told me flat out, they were like, they were like, it might not be worth looking into because, you know, we don't have any, there's no money. So I don't know that there's even a conversation to be had. And it was at at that point where I basically said, I'll sign a $0 contract. (laughs) If you put me up, give me Mm -hmm. a place to stay. If you feed me, I'll play for $0 and 0 cents. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess that was an offer they couldn't refuse. And so... (laughs) And so they agreed to it. Now, mind you, right? Wow. I'm in. I'm 27, 28 years old at the time, in my seventh or eighth, seventh, seventh professional season. Which, you know, that's it's that's that's a a long time to be to be a pro athlete. And to yeah, you know, I think it might be more common to hear maybe stories of guys signing. You know, very poor contracts, especially when they're starting out, but to sign a $0 contract in, in your seventh professional season at 27, 28 yeah. years old is, is very unheard of. And I'll tell you, I, I just want to share why I did that and why it was important and why it was a great move. Right. Mm. In my opinion, looking back and what I knew to be in the moment, right. I already kind to of sign it d- to sign a $0 contract to sign a $0 contract. Obviously there are right. some risks involved with that, right? right like, of course. The, the good thing in this situation, though, is that like it, pe- people don't know, unless like I tell them or someone from management tells them, which they wouldn't, other teams won't know that I signed a $0 contract, right? That's, that's an important piece of information, right? So it's like, there's that. Um, but the reason why this is important, I want to pull out a, a couple key points to discuss here that mm. I really think about when, when I was in the moment and now when I'm reflecting on it. One of which is that, you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice short term gain for long term success. Hmm. The other thing is that it's really important to build your narrative.
1: Hmm. Okay. And what I mean let's let's hang on that first one, though. Let's hang on that first one. 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 Let's hang on the first one. Sometimes you have to to sacrifice short term gain. For long-term success. So walk us through that process in this situation, in this story. What does that mean to you?
0: Right. So obviously in this situation, I was going to get zero monetary gain from this arrangement. Right. But I knew that if I were to play here, to get games in, to play well, to show my stuff and reintroduce myself into the North American market, right? Because mind you, I I was overseas. So yep a little bit, you know, people don't know exactly what's going on with me reintroduce myself to North American market. Um, I could potentially sign a more substantial contract when the new season rolls around next year. And so I was basically risking that short term gain, making something right. Or just stopping playing and going and working or doing the other couple opportunities I had mentioned, right. Starting to, to just try and dive into those full time for an extended period of time. I was sacrificing those things knowing that if I had reintroduced myself in the right way, if I'd done, if I'd played some quality games, if I showed my stuff that I'd be able to sign a better contract with a great team the following Mm. season. Right. That's right. Which ended up being the case, right. I ended up signing signing for uh, San Antonio FC, which is, you know, one of the stronger teams in the USL and and a really great place. So go ahead. Yeah. And, and for all those listening, Let's start to
1: extrapolate and think about when Hunter's saying he's signing a $0 contract. I want you, as you're listening, to think about whatever industry you work in, whether it's your main hustle, a side hustle, somewhere where you want to build your career further. What does it look like to do work for free? It's a hotly debated topic and I know at least on this first point here Hunter when you're thinking I'm going to work for free I'm going to be a free professional athlete sacrificing short-term gain for long-term success. I know for me as documentarian working for free has been foundational to any sense of success that I've had up to this point. And on that short-term gain, sacrificing short-term gain for long-term success. For me, that meant when I was getting my start as a videographer, I wanted to do documentary. I wanted to do like high quality video journalism and documentary. Well, as a freelancer, oftentimes those opportunities are really hard to come by. It's easier to come by opportunities that are like working corporate gigs. But instead of just taking those gigs and kind of funneling down that path, I was like, I'm going to go make short documentaries these little five to 10 minute stories on my own dime. No one's paying me. And then I'm going to pitch them to news organizations and explicitly tell them, you can have this for free. Love it. You don't have to pay me. Essentially, completely removing the barrier. But then also stipulating in the contract, you have non-exclusive rights, which means That for a piece like I've done a short documentary called The Carpenter, it first came out with The Atlantic, non-exclusive rights. They didn't pay me. Then after it had come out with The Atlantic, I pitched to National Geographic. Here's your non-exclusive contract. Don't pay me. Then I brought it to an American documentary film festival. (laughs) Non-exclusive. Don't pay me all of these and now you have me as a young documentarian when i go pitch places now i can say i've worked at the i've worked with the atlantic i've had my work screened by national geographic i've been in the american documentary film festival oh yeah all the same film all for free and that helped me build that long-term success or what i hope you know going on that trajectory but it was sacrificing that short-term cash that maybe i would have gotten if I was, you know, doing some of those
0: corporate clients. So I just wanted to tap into that, huh? What's the next one you got? No, it's brilliant, yeah. So the next, uh, these these two kind of go into each other and it's starting to yeah. build on what, what you had mentioned there, right? The first of those is to swing, you know, swinging from branch to branch. Hmm. And what I mean by that is again, going to that situation where I could potentially have this six month gap where I'm basically, it appears like I'm not doing anything, right? Mm -hmm. And that kind of ties into the next point, which I want to extrapolate and I'll bring it back to this, which is building Mm -hmm. a powerful narrative. I kind of started to mention it before. Right. But, you know, you don't always perception is reality in in professional sports more than anything, I think, but also in every other industry. I'm sure this is the case. Perception is reality. Right. And there is a narrative that's being told whether you like it or not. And so it becomes about how can you craft that narrative? How can you make a more compelling, compelling narrative? And in my example, maybe you have some examples you can share as well, right? But in my example with this story, the narrative, the narrative could have been, oh, here's a guy who hasn't played in six months. We don't know why, right? He's mm-hmm. his, he's probably not fit. He's probably not in form. His touch probably isn't at you know where it needs to be. He hasn't played meaningful games in six to eight months. So we don't really know exactly what we're going to get out of them. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a question mark for us. Um, me being a prospective team that might be looking into picking me up for the next season, right? As right. opposed to what I thought would be a more compelling narrative of here's a guy who was playing overseas, came back to the U.S., was playing for another team because he came back at a weird time in the year, got some games in. Did well. He's back, available on the market. He's out of contract. He's played meaningful games. He's played abroad. He's played back in the U.S. He's back in the flow of things. He's fit. He's ready to go. Let's make a move on him, right? During that time, even during that time when, when if if I wasn't playing for a team per se, I could have been training my ass off. I could have been Mm -hmm. I I I could have been training. I could have been training harder than I ever had in my life, right? I could have been been playing pickup with with. With ex pros, I could have been doing all kinds of fitness stuff. I could have been getting way more touches on the ball than I do, even when I'm with my team. But the reality is that nobody would know that. That narrative yeah. wouldn't be out there. So I wouldn't right. control that, right? Mm. I don't get to sit down with these people and tell them, oh, hey, this is what I've been doing. This is what you should be paying attention to. This is, <laughs> you don't get that opportunity. So I right. know, or I knew in this example that this was an opportunity. It was, you know, pretty much the only opportunity that I had at the moment to, to craft a different narrative than the one that I thought would be disempowering in that in that moment. Mm, yeah. And for
1: people who are in the creative arts space, I think the real gift that we have that maybe Hunter didn't is like Hunter is, as a professional athlete, he is reliant on a team to bring him in and to give him a uniform. If you are a maker, if you're a creative, you're giving yourself permission. Like sure, it's great if you have something published or you you know put out some piece of art with a magazine or something, but at least in the space I'm playing in, it's a portfolio piece. It's a portfolio space, and the thing is, is so many people are worried about wasting time or wasting money, but you have to think about yeah, you might not get the financial return if you do some of this work for free, but you're crafting that story of who you are, which means. Even if you're not getting paid, do the things you love to do. Do the things that when you come to someone with a portfolio piece, say, hey, look, I do this type of work. No one needs to know that no one paid you for it. All they're going to see is your kick-ass piece of art. And so that's a way that you can build that story and go branch to branch from what you're currently doing to where you want to be. And I think that leads us beautifully into that last one, huh? What's the last one? Well,
0: before we get there, I also want to take another example for people, right? Because you talk about... You, you know, you talk about the perspective of a creator, obviously my perspective as well. One that comes to mind is, 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 uh, is Jay when he started out with his modeling career. If you remember, mm-hmm. my brother Jason, for any of the listeners who don't know, he's been on the podcast a few times. He also, in, in addition to the many things he does, he's, he's a model. And when he first got started out modeling, I mean, he, he, was, all, he was auditioning all over the place, not yeah. getting paid a dime, and he was just building his book, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is like a typical thing in the modeling world. He was just building his book. He understood that in order to get future opportunities, he would have to he would have to build that narrative over time. would have to he would have to do all these things. He'd have to sacrifice a short term gain for long term success. You know, mm-hmm. pay for his own way to go to these auditions, knowing that he wasn't going to get paid for them, or go do photo shoots just to build his book and get quality shots so that he could eventually be seen by more important people and have a more compelling narrative at the time so that he could eventually get jobs that produce the income that could continue to perpetuate that cycle. Yeah. Um, So the last point that I want to go into when it comes to this topic is just removing the barriers to get to yes. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's very uh, illustrative in this example, right? Where, my opportunity wouldn't have existed if I didn't remove the barrier of a financial obligation from the team to me. Right. Obviously they had, Mm -hmm. they had something in there, which was the, the food and the housing. Um, but I removed a pretty big barrier for them to be able to say yes. And Mm -hmm. anytime you do something for free where there's nothing that, you know, you're just giving to the other party. Mm -hmm. You're removing many of the barriers for somebody to say uh, to say yes. It's easy for them to say yes. Absolutely. It's essentially
1: you always want to be giving more value. You just want to be a value giver and working for free is one of the shortcuts to that. I know for me right now, currently right now, I am working on a documentary series. And for me, it's it's an awesome opportunity to learn. It's awesome opportunity to work at a Kind of a production level in the documentary space that I haven't, I don't have a ton of experience in it. Now, on this documentary, on most of the shoots, they have the budget for um, one lead cinematographer, and that's you know I, I'm a cinematographer. That's what I love to do. But they don't have a budget for two of us. If there was two of us, I'd probably get that call to come along and help with the lead guy, who's incredible. He's amazing. But they don't. They have budget for a lead cinematographer, and they have budget for a camera assistant. And now a camera assistant's role is typically you're there, you help set up lights, you help change the lenses, everything like that. Well, when I show up, I bring my entire camera kit, I bring my lights, and I shoot the entire day. Now, shooting the entire day, if the documentary was paying for that specifically, would be a lot more expensive. Money than what they do as a camera assistant, but for me, I'm like, this is amazing. This is gold because I get to have more fun when I'm shooting. I love it. I'm building my skills, and every single day up, I show up on set. I am offering them way more value than they're paying me. I'm giving them all this free value of shooting, and and I I feel great about it. I'm so I'm so grateful that they're not paying me in this moment because like. I'm able to, to learn without not as much pressure. I'm able to just add just value, value, value. And it's lowering the barrier of getting that yes of eventually, eventually they're gonna have budget for two cinematographers. Eventually there's gonna be a series down the road where maybe the main guy who they usually work with is on vacation. And who are they gonna call? The guy who they saw every single day filming with them for the last couple months. Definitely, and so it's an amazing situation where you can get that foot in the door, the room where it happens, lower the barrier to yes, and start adding
0: so much value, definitely. And I just want to point out real quickly the the contrasting side, because as we as you said at the beginning, right? there's there's a duality to this and it, and it, I'm sure there's people who debate this all the time, right? We're not necessarily advocating to everybody out there. Like, don't get paid for what you do. Don't, you know, don't, don't appreciate the value that you bring to the marketplace. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a time and place for each of these things, right? Like I I know on the other side of this, somebody, you know, people can say, you need to know your worth. You need to not undervalue services. You know, you are only as, you know, you're only as valuable as, as, you know, what the marketplace deems it you know in terms of monetarily speaking um, I, I think it, it a lot of this potentially comes down to, to timing and some surrounding factors as well right like the examples we're talking about you know these are w- w- th- these are calculated decisions that we're making right? right in my example the surrounding factors are the fact that um, that I, I You know, During this time, I was building the infrastructure for my other businesses, right? So it was coinciding with that. So I had that kind of nice thing going on as well. And then also the location of this team was closer to home. So I was able to drive there. Uh, They gave me food. They gave me housing. So it wasn't like I didn't have anything. I was able to sustain myself while Mm -hmm. working for free. These are important surrounding factors that go into that decision, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, and, and I think oftentimes... Earlier on in your career is when this would be most useful, right? Obviously, I think my situation might, might be a little bit of an anomaly because I'm deep deeper into my professional career. But I think for a lot of young people, for a lot of young um, uh, entrepreneurs or workers, w- working for free is probably going to open a lot yeah. more doors for you than not. And you know who talks about this a lot is Gary V, who mm-hmm. we talk about often on the show. I've seen him in numerous numerous um you know bits of content online on youtube or on his social media channels he believes in this so whole so wholeheartedly um working for free he doles this advice out to entrepreneurs all the time and he says you know what he says about it he basically says like you need to let people know that you exist Mm -hmm. and you need to show them your quality and sometimes to be able to do that in an, you know in an efficient manner is to is is to, is to do it for free is to provide mm-hmm. that value mm-hmm. for free. Yeah. Um, otherwise, if you're looking for the precise moment or you're trying to get everything you you know the the max amount of dollars and cents that you could put, put, potentially make, you're missing opportunities to let the world know, to let people know that are important to you that you exist, and to show your quality in some capacity. Yeah, he says to. Think about the people you most
1: admire. Think about the people who you'd most love to work with. Right now, most of us have Instagram, where we could just open up that app and literally direct message them. I'll work for free, and you are lowering that barrier, letting that person know I will give you value. I exist, and let me
0: let me prove myself. Let me and give me a shot. That's exactly what his what his cameraman D Rock did. So That's his right. cameraman, D-Rock, the guy who now, I mean, he, he's... He's famous amaz- in like the creator he, yeah, space. Yeah, exactly. That's, he's famous yeah. in the creator space, D-Rock is. And he got the opportunity by doing exactly what we're talking about. If you like type up, yeah. you know, into Google, like D-Rock working for free for Gary Vee, like you'll read an article on it. You could hear D-Rock's... Like I actually read D-Rock's like story with that. He basically just like, he emailed Gary V, didn't get a response, saw a tweet that he tweeted... Tweeted back at him, didn't get a response. Eventually, like I think, sent him another email and basically just said, "Hey, here's a free piece of content. I'd love to come shoot. Like, uh, I'd love to come shoot some free material of you. Like, just hang out for for an hour, just shooting some awesome content, make you something. And if you know, if you end up using it, great. If not, no problem. And he ends yeah. up doing that. It was called Clouds in the Dirt. Right, we did an episode called Clouds in the Dirt, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that was the first piece of. Um, content filmed by D. Rock, and then after that, Gary V. offered him a job, and the rest is history. And now he's now he's huge, right? And um, of course, if he were to say like, "Hey,
1: pay me a certain amount of money, and I'll and I'll come make you a content," Gary would be like, "No, like <laughs> there's just no, there's just no way." Absolutely. Now, one thing I think that's important that you brought up here, Hunter. We're talking about you have to be in the these are calculated decisions. You you have to be in the right circumstance for this. It's not for every circumstance. But I will say again, in the creative space, I hear all the time from videographers, photographers, artists that like know your worth, don't charge too little because you're bringing the whole industry down. And I just think, I just like don't agree with that. I just don't, I just don't. And I think... It's people often are saying that who are the people who are kind of like insecure about where they are in the industry and they don't want people who are new to come and steal their business. They're people with a scarcity mindset, not an abundance mindset. And for people who are on the come up, for people who are just starting out, you got to do what you got to do to get seen, to get that foot in the door and to start working. And oftentimes it comes from doing things when you're free. And when you are just starting out, if no one is willing to pay for the thing you do, your work is worth nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're a photographer and you want to sell photos and no one's coming knocking on your door to pay for them, your work is worth nothing. So free sounds like a good deal. And you're going to get value in return. So I think in the creative space, I just see it demonized so much working for free. And so I'm here right now, just want to advocate for finding the moments where you can really benefit from it, because I speak from personal
0: experience, saying that it has been very foundational to to my career thus far. Awesome, man! And before I jump into the go get a challenge, I want to share because I was watching it. Uh, I actually watched it today, and it was a really nice example that I think kind of, in, in a different context, solidifies some of the things we're talking about and gives people you know maybe something relatable to hold on to when it comes to this concept so it was again Gary Vee, he was taking a a call from a random person that he was you know that that was looking for some advice looking for some help on a situation and she basically said like she wants to be a psychiatrist she didn't she doesn't have like the PhDs that she would need and so there's people in her inner circle saying like you need to go get the PhDs like how are you going to prove yourself as an authority like you're not even married she wanted to be a married you know a marriage counselor like you're not married, you've never been married and you don't have these PhDs, like why is anybody gonna listen to you? And she was really stuck. She didn't know what to do and she wanted his advice on it and he basically broke it down and he actually like, he flips out on the episode because he's like, I'm really happy with the way I just made this point because I don't always get to make a point like, like I am right now. But he basically broke it into like three decisions or three paths that you could potentially go down right path a is like okay go to the schools go get your phds go invest the money so that you feel that you can you know go to so the people around you and you feel that you have the credit, you know the accreditations you need to go do what you need to do option two is sort of like what you just said mm-hmm. go on go go find the top five psychiatrists or marriage counselors in the field and go work for them for free and go you know see eventually if you can take a small percent of something or if you can you know or if you can cite, if you can uh if you can kind of you know spur out from there and get your own thing going right so that would be mm-hmm. another one to kind of ride on the coattails there a little bit provide value to whoever those you know to whoever those mentors would be for you and then kind of go that path and then he said option 3 is to just go find five couples and just work for free just tell them you will do it completely free of charge worst thing that could happen they just say hey you're, you know, you have no idea what you're doing. You're not good at this <laughs> at all. And whatever. Best right. thing that could happen is that one, two, three, four, all five of those people, they love their experience. And then you just go work off the word of mouth. They go tell exactly. four, three, four, five other couples. And now all of a sudden you're in business. And then, you know, if enough people respect your work, it doesn't matter what, you know, what, what pieces of paper you had, you have authority mm-hmm. because of these testimonials. Right. And so those are the three options, and he just very clearly says, mm. like, to me, option three, that's the way you go. Mm-hmm. That's really So in that example, there's there's two, there's, you know, two options you can go with with the working for free, right? Whether it is you know, actually working for someone for free or whether it's providing your services for free and then building off those testimonials to 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 establish your authority. That's awesome. Huh? Let's hit him with the go get a challenge, huh? Let's take it to the Go Get A Challenge, everybody. Uh, this one, it's a bit conditional, so if you don't fit into this condition at the moment, just put this put this in the back pocket for one day when you need it and make sure you take the challenge when the time comes, but it's pretty simple. I've been talking about it all episode. Work for free. Sacrifice mm-hmm. the short term come up if there is something to be gained from the experience, especially if you wouldn't have the opportunity otherwise. Go work for free for someone in your field who crushes it or go provide a service for free and build on the testimonials just kind of like I mentioned. And if you don't know where to start, look up the story of DRock, you'll see. Hi John Doe, my name is blah, blah, blah. This may be a crazy message, but you know <laughs> I'm a big fan of your content. I came across XYZ and I'd love to produce some content for you or I'd love to do whatever it is for you, um, completely free of charge. Shoot your shot. Shoot your shot, and just like Drock, and we've probably talked about this in some previous episodes. If you don't hear anything back, be persistent. Don't be annoying, but be persistent, and keep shooting your shots. Because at some point, you'll remove all the barriers to a yes, and somebody would just <laughs> somebody would just say, "Okay, let's do it." Well, yeah, like, let's, go, let's just why see not? what they are. I get a benefit about. for doing absolutely nothing. Sounds good to me. So that is your go-get-it challenge for the week, and with that shtig. You know what it is, bro. I know what it is. Go get it. Go
1: get it, folks.